podcast, episode 167. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. As mentioned at the end of the last episode, we now see the appearance of the last new named character in the play. This is Osric, a courtier at Elsinore, who is here as a messenger from the king. Osric is among Shakespeare's most memorable minor characters. Almost all of the 1,200 or so characters have their moments, and every one of them is there for a reason, but Osric does stand out in this great gallery of human experiences. Not to say, mind you, that he's a very good or noble person, but he's certainly memorable. We don't learn his name until considerably later in the scene, but he's referred to as Young Osric. Most often in Shakespeare, when a character is young, it's to identify a man who shares his name with his father. Young Hamlet and Young Fortinbras are obvious examples from our play. There's no mention of any older Osric anywhere, so perhaps here it's to emphasise that this is a part that can be played by a younger actor, maybe originally by one of the boy players. It's entirely possible that the actor who played Ophelia, now available after the character's funeral, reappeared in this role. Or perhaps young Osric is just called young because he's not very influential and not very important. I don't think I've ever seen this doubling with Ophelia in performance, but it might be interesting. The most famous Osric on film was probably the late, great Robin Williams, who was yet another piece of luxury casting in Kenneth Branagh's film of the complete text. But anyway, he shows up and interrupts Hamlet and Horatio as they talk. Osric attempts to speak formally and respectfully, aware perhaps that he is intruding on a private conversation. Your lordship is right welcome back to Denmark. Now, just about everyone in the theatre, on the stage and in the audience, surely knows that this isn't really true. But Hamlet plays along now that he has a new target to mock. He replies and says, I humbly thank you, sir. Now he turns to Horatio and asks, Dost thou know this waterfly? Hamlet wonders if Horatio knows who this man is. Given that Horatio is an outsider to the court, it's understandable that he hasn't had the pleasure. Hamlet calls Osric a waterfly. Some sets of notes seem to suggest that this is because he's dressed gaudily, or even, according to Dover Wilson, that he might be wearing a fashionable high-winged doublet which might make him look a little bit like an insect. There's a constant sense through the commentator's notes that Osric is flashy. Now, maybe a simpler reading of all of this is that he's like a fly that you might find near water, always buzzing, but without much purpose. An image for him that I really like is of a water strider, that kind of insect that can walk on top of water. Like them, Osric is very careful, always adjusting his position in order to maintain his careful balance. Meanwhile, Horatio confirms that he has never met him. Yet again, he's got one of these rote answers where he says, No, my good lord. All of this has been an extended aside while Osric stands waiting. Hamlet seems utterly unconcerned as he continues to speak to Horatio. Thy state is the more gracious, for tis a vice to know him. He hath much land and fertile. Let a beast be lord of beasts, and his crib shall stand at the king's mess. Tis a chuff, but, as I say, spacious in the possession of dirt. Hamlet is saying that Horatio is very much better off, 
by state is the more gracious. It's a vice to know this person, so Horatio is still in a state of grace in not knowing Osric personally. All he has going for him is that he has a lot of land, and good fertile land at that. Now Hamlet comments on the court in general, as well as Osric in particular. Let a beast be lord of beasts, and his crib shall stand at the king's mess. Even if an animal were in control of some land and some other animals, he would have a place to eat at the king's table. The language here is a mix of words, crib and mess, primarily used to describe places where animals were fed. Hamlet has nothing but contempt for the way Claudius runs his court and his dining room, as he's been saying ever since the noisy king's rouse back in Act One. Not only does he suggest that the king and his cronies all have the table manners of pigs, but that all it takes to have influence at this court is to have land and money to buy your way in. Hamlet then calls Osric a chuff, a jackdaw, a chattering bird that can be taught to echo sounds and words from others. But, he insists, he's spacious in the possession of dirt. Back in Act 4, Hamlet was perturbed at the great march of the Norwegians, who were going to war for a little patch of land, and then, in the previous scene in Act 5, he had many lines about lawyers and legal possession of land. Now he finds it fascinating that this Osric is considered worth keeping at court merely because he is accomplished in the possession of dirt. It's an interesting preoccupation. Hamlet is already questioning the worth of owning land, since the best you can hope for is to wind up buried in it. Osric has been left hanging until now, and he tries again to get the prince's attention. Sweet lord, if your lordship were at leisure, I should impart a thing to you from his majesty. I think he's trying too hard. He says lord twice within a line, which, to my mind, makes him sound rather nervous. Please, he's saying, if you can spare the time, I have a message for you from his majesty, Claudius. Again, Hamlet matches his overzealous politeness. I will receive it, sir, with all diligence of spirit. I will listen to your message, he's saying, with my full attention. But before Osric can begin, Hamlet starts messing with him. In Elizabethan life, hats were worn constantly, far more than we wear them any more in modern life. There would have been a whole etiquette around when to wear them, how to wear them, and when to remove them, perhaps as a sign of respect. When Osric came onto the stage, we can assume he took his hat off, in some sort of a nod to Hamlet. In his nervousness, and during Hamlet's long aside with Horatio, he's been left holding his hat, perhaps waiting on a social cue from Hamlet to put it back on his head. And he never got it. So now he's in this weird limbo. Imagine the feeling of having offered your hand for a handshake, but the cue is missed somehow, and you feel oddly vulnerable for having made the effort and been, in a way, rejected. That's the kind of mood that Osric is now in, and just as he might be able to relax since Hamlet has agreed to listen to him, the sands shift again under his feet, as Hamlet says, Put your bonnet to its right use. Tis for the head. Hamlet didn't miss the cue. He withheld it, and now he's telling Osric to put his hat back on his head where it belongs. Osric tries to deflect attention from his gaff, with a rather weird explanation. He says... I thank your lordship. It is very hot. 
He's trying to explain that actually he meant to keep it off because it's very hot in this room. He's scrambling, but Hamlet is having none of it. He replies and says, No, believe me, it is very cold. The wind is northerly. The wind from the North Sea cutting through the stone walls of Elsinore must have been very cold indeed, but even that is probably not as cold as the stare that Hamlet is giving to Osric. There are echoes here of how Hamlet messed with Polonius in Act Three, twisting his answers as the older man tried to talk to him, and of Hamlet's chat with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, insisting that he was not mad, but mad north-north-west. There's a good deal more to come between Hamlet, Osric and Osric's hat, but we'll leave it for now and resume the hostilities in the next episode. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in, and do be sure to visit the website, thehamletpodcast.com, where I'll put up a few notes about waterflies and osrics and indeed, hopefully, hat-wearing elsewhere in Elizabethan literature and life. Hours, or at least a minute or two, of happy reading. Take care, keep the faith, and I'll speak to you next time.